Okay, guys, welcome to this morning's Fife Property Show, episode 84. Would you believe it? We've been going over one and a half years. Wow. So this is about kill your bills this morning. How to turn a high uh, period property into a high performance eco home. So this morning on the show, we've got Perry McIntosh. How are you doing, Perry? I'm fantastic, Jim. Great morning this morning. The sun's shining. Been down at the beach again. Lovely. Perfect. And, and that's the golden opportunity about just getting out and about and doing something when you can. First thing's great because the clouds are no longer in the sky. It's usually towards the afternoon they'll appear. Uh, Anne-Marie, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. I will be I'm getting perfect. down to the beach but after the show. <laughs> Absolutely. I might, I might pop along to the pit and wee menopausal mermaids uh, Ukraine. Cook for Ukraine lunch this morning. So that's going on at 11 o'clock at the Westbury's Project. Uh, so watch out for that, everybody. Um, I posted further on here. But that's the West Price Project in Pitt and Weem, which is the swimming pool um, for the open water uh, tidal pool uh, for the Pitt and Weem project. Okay, guys, um, have you ever known uh, the cost of utility bills to be so massive just now? You know, I, I mean, it's 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 a massive conversation. It's going to be a massive amount. Look at look at this. This is this is what I've been quoted from the utility bills. This is EDF. I'm, you know, I, I feel often they should just phone. They should actually have a personal phone call to me. <laughs> when they're about to announce this. I don't know if you guys have you guys got to something like this. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's quite it's quite en scary. It is energy prices are going up from the first of April. Uh these are difficult times, but you can depend on us. Um sorry, how can I depend on you? All you're doing is sending my letter, which actually says your prices are going up whether you like it or not. Um <laughs> how can I depend on that? Um, so my prices are going to go up from round about mm, £3,000 to round about four and a half to £5,000. Wow. It's massive, massive jump. Uh, that's an increase of round about £1,800. Yeah. That's a huge amount. Now, £1,800, I mean, you know, in a one hour sounds a lot, but even when you bring that down, that's more than £100 extra a month. Has everybody else got £100 at the end of the month? <laughs> no. It's, it's a tough one, Jim. Absolutely. It's a tough one. And a lot of people are getting impacted by it. It's quite frightening um, because it's not the only part of your bills that are going up. Yeah. It's everything else is going up. Um, so yeah. we're going to talk about that. So the, the, the thing that we can focus on, though, is how to turn a period property to a high-performance eco-home because you know yourself, period properties are like, they're, they're, some of them are stone-built. They're poor insulation. Um, there's loads of drafts in them. And, and yeah, that was great at the time, but because costs are escalating so high, it's now prohibitive to actually stay in one of these if you're maybe just on your own. Um, mm -hmm. So I think towards the middle of the year onwards, we're going to see a lot more people in bigger properties actually putting them onto the market uh, in, the, in, the, in the thought process of downsizing. I would beat that rush, by the way, and do it now if I was you. Because it's coming whether you like it or not. Don't wait for it to happen. Make it happen now. So it is about making sure that you're in a position that you're in control of your house sale because you don't want to get into the, the herd mentality, so to speak, I would say, of, of rushing at the same time as everybody else. And then, as a result of that, then prices are a lot less buoyant as they are just now because there's more supply. What's driving the market now? You know yourself, guys. It's... Um, yeah. It's lack of supply. 
Absolutely. I mean, Rightmove put the property pricing index out during the week there, didn't they? And they said that actually, absolutely, it's a seller's market because there's twice twice as many buyers out there as there is sellers. And that's driving everything just now. And and what I would what I'd pick up on that is they actually see they've never seen that kind of activity before. Mm-hmm. And there's also a conflict. I mean, we did our inflation show and we talked about that and we talked about the conflict between there's key indicators in the economy which actually conflict with each other now because property prices usually come down when yeah, this key yeah. indicator goes up and vice versa. But that's not happening now. So we're in a completely different um, market as as to what was opposed ever before um, because of probably what's happened before and what's about to come after this. Um, nobody's got a crystal ball here, but I think we could predict with certainty that prices are going to rise quite astronomically. And we have to look at opportunities and ways of minimizing that and actually actually you know save money i'm not a big fan of actually saying oh contract you know because because that's not necessarily the right thing to do because if everybody contracts then the whole economy collapses as a result and that causes a problem so i've got a funny feeling that the news is trying to drive everybody towards that just to be newsworthy um so it is a hot topic um, for the home and at work just now the news is full of stories about the soaring energy prices um, future supply questions, environmental impact of gas, coal, oil, all these different things with fossil fuels, for example, all finite resources. And finite would mean at some point fossil fuels in the ground run out. You know, you can only take up so much and burn it and then you've got nothing else left. So you have to find renewable sources. The government is also on the case with a target for the UK to be carbon neutral by 2050. Um I'll be honest and say, you know, kind of Scotland is a bit more progressive in that in that attitude. I mean, Scotland will probably be carbon neutral a lot quicker um, because we've always relied on hydro, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we've got the wind farms and they're out in our, our seas at the moment. So, I mean, that, that's helping a great deal. And I was actually listening to the news this morning. And interestingly enough, the government are now toying with the idea that actually if you move home and your home is near a wind farm, then you will get massive discounts on your energy prices. Yeah, I'm not saying everybody wants to live near a wind farm, but that you know, some in the islands, etc., and on all of our coastal areas, then there's a good opportunity that you will be close by. So they're saying, you know, that there will be additional benefits tax-wise yeah. to people who do that. Let's say a couple of good mornings. Good morning, Angela. How are you? Good morning, Andrea. How are you? Anybody, if you're out there, please feel free. I know there's a lot of people out there actually watching just now. Please feel free to chip in when you want. If you've got something to say about energy prices or how to save money, um, then by all means contribute to this. Um, it's it's your show as well as ours, more than so we can all um, gather together and actually bounce ideas off each other in order to make that better. But but this is just the key core fundamentals of what's going on. Uh, traditional homes are a pride and joy, remember. Um, but but they're as leaky as, as they are beautiful, really. Um, the UK has uh, the least energy efficient housing in Europe, um, with the average Victorian property having an EPC rating. Now, this is the energy efficiency rating, how well it is. You know, energy efficiency is basically for every pound you spend, how much goes up the lump. Um, and a classic example of that is um, back boilers. So if you have an old back to back boiler behind the fire, they run at about 55% efficiency. So which means for every pound you spend on running that back boiler, 45 pence goes up the lump and you mm. only get 55 pence worth of heat. Um, new energy, new boilers are not condensers, but they're combis. Um, they'll run about 85% efficiency and condenser boilers will run about 96 to 97% efficiency. So which means they recycle and repurpose their heat 
and they're, they're to go back into the system. So for every pound you spend on energy, you're probably getting about 96 pence back on it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why there's a huge push to change your boilers. So if you can't change your boilers, Energy Saving Tr Scotland Trust is actually a really good place to start um, for all mm -hmm. these efficiency savings and heatings. Uh, but back to the Victorian properties, average EPC rating is round about E. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad when you think about it. Yeah. Compared to 80% of all new homes that are delivering um, a rating of B at this point in time. But then it's the, it's the toss-up. It's like, you know, do I want to live in a new modern fandangled home or would I love that country step? No, I sorry, I changed my dialect there. <laughs> would, I love, <laughs> would I love that country step? You know, stone-built property. I mean, what's your thoughts? New build or stone-built, Anne-Marie? I, I always prefer traditional properties, yeah. stone built, but as you say, you know, it doesn't come with a really good energy rating. So um, even when I'm taking people on viewings and, you know, the people that are preferring those type of properties yeah. um, before, they would just go to the viewing, they'd ask all sorts of questions and everything. But now when they're viewing these sort of properties, they're asking about, you know, the EPC, um, talking about now how they can change it to a more efficient efficient you know system um those conversations didn't come up before now yeah. they are when I'm, you know when people are asking about properties even someone looking at, at an apartment they're preferring their preferences on the top floor not the ground floor anyway the top or the middle because it's again that you know trying to save it's just a whole new conversation yeah, now. from downstairs eh? yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to insulate my floor at all because i'll get all their heat and i'll insulate the ceiling yeah <laughs> My, my son, he lives in a flat and he's on the third floor um, and he never has his heating on. He says, I've come home tonight. It's absolutely roasting in here. I don't need to put my heating on. So he, he's quite happy about that. So it does it does benefit some. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Uh, good morning, Linda. Linda, this is quite an interesting one for you. And some question. Um, you do a lot of property flips and refurbs. Um, so is energy efficiency something you actually uh, consider when you're actually doing any refurbs? Be interested to hear from you. Um, okay, while buyers love heritage and character, they're asking more and more questions on viewings about energy efficiency and running costs. The subject isn't going to go away. Uh, it looks set to play an increasing ro role in the saleability of a property. Um, are you finding that just now, Anne-Marie? Um, yes. I mean, you know, as I said, people are, you know, talking about that a lot more and they they... It, that's that's a, like a big selling point that that's a deal breaker for some people you know it's definitely yeah. a deal breaker as much as a house could be lovely tick all their boxes they just can't afford to change anything you know change the system whereas, whereas when this was never a concern really it was the case that um nobody really cared about the epc i just want no. the epc no. wasn't important but all of a sudden because energy costs are rising so fast and so dramatically it's now one of the most important factors about running yeah. costs I actually went to see somebody the other day, and that's the exact same thing they said to me. They were in a really big house, you know, a half a million pound one, um, and uh, and overlooking the sea and the harbour and everything like that. And yeah. uh, and it's the first thing that's now coming to light. It's uh, it's the run cost of of running the house, um, as well as things like gardens and that as well. And then it all contributes to the pot. And can when you think about it, when you bring it all in, and you think about all the savings we're going to make, it we're going to talk here. You're you're literally if you downsize or you move to a more energy efficient property. You're literally saving. You're almost saving a thousands a month. Um, because and I, I can vouch for that. I mean, when I did, we downsized because it was it was just too big, and there was just two of us in there. 
But a big factor of also making that decision was the actual running cost of that property because it was a big property. Our energy bills were expensive. Our council tax bill was expensive. We had a wraparound garden, which you're right, that's maintenance as well. And when you started to add it all up, it was becoming almost like the beautiful house was, was more of a burden um, yeah. on how we wanted to live our lives. Do you know what I mean? So it was about how do we realign and reassess things. And, you know, we're not suggesting that everybody goes out there and starts selling their properties, but you know, it, it, it is something that people are now starting to consider because the yeah. costs are so expensive to run. Definitely. It's the empty rooms. They're just, you know, yeah. having an empty room is just a waste of money. It's different. Before it would be an empty room. Oh, I've got a spare room, you know. Now that's a burden. A spare room isn't a luxury anymore, really. It's a mm -hmm. burden now. Yeah, coming from so far behind, can older homes really catch up? I mean, that's the question. They absolutely can. And this is what we're going to talk about this week. The savings on bills and the return on investment are greater and higher and faster uh, than ever. So let's see how we can lock that in. A uh, quick couple of comments first. Um, so Angela actually says, new build for me, staying in a man's for three years, oil-fired heating. Boy, was it a cold house. Yeah, I've I've had that before. Uh, Linda actually comes back and says, energy efficiency is a big consideration now. As you say, you used to ignore the EPC. Now it's a talking point. Uh, Andrea actually says, um, I feel sorry for the tenants. Yeah, absolutely. Prepaid meters in older properties is automatically cost more every month. I mean, the, just as you understand that, prepaid meters actually cost more to run. They charge you more as a result. Now, that shouldn't be right, um, but they just charge you as a result more. And it's unfortunate prepaid meters, meters are actually commonplace to people in more vulnerable situations. A real difficult um, situation for them. Um, so I'm, I'm no big fan of prepaid meters. Um, standard charge for prepaid, yep, uh, at least 50 pence per day more. Imagine 50 pence per day more. I mean, you're automatically adding on about 180 quid a year. Because you're 180 quid a year, just like that. So it's a big, big thing. You want to kick off then, Perry, and talk about probably low-cost instant energy wins? Yeah, I mean, for me, if you're not ready... If you're not yet ready for a big budget spend, which not everyone is, you know, it's not a case that you can run it and suddenly put a new boiler in, new central heating yeah. system and make it more energy efficient. So there are some low cost ways that you can maybe help yourself redeem some of your cash and keep it in the bank. Um, so we've come up with kind of seven ways of doing that and they're quick wins. They can make an immediate difference to yourself and how you warm and get your household warm and toasty and make you feel good. Um, draft roof your front doors is a big thing um, not everyone can afford to kind of go out there and put new doors on can they and at the moment as well you know we're not just seeing energy bills going up but we're seeing the cost of materials and everything going up aren't we um, yeah. and so you know that that makes things a door cost what it did a year ago is certainly not that now um, so sometimes you need to put things like that off um, interestingly enough you can actually get like little rotating keyhole covers I, yeah. I really wasn't that familiar with those until we started looking into the show so again it's amazing how much draft will come in there um, and we've done a couple of things like that to ours because our front hall you come straight into then our, after the front hall it's just a little entryway and then when you go into the lounge door and I was standing by the window and the draft coming under the door was incredible so we started applying some of the things that we're suggesting just now and it has made a big difference to us so the keyhole you'll thing hate, you'll hate it. the sausage dog out <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking that. <laughs> I've got a sausage dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, your old socks and old tights uh, all pushed into the, the wee thing and then just put it on the bottom of the door. <laughs> remember, folks out there, remember and wash them first. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yeah. Because if it is drafty, it's not going to smell nice. Oh, it didn't be a um, man. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I mean, these little things do make a difference and, and that has yeah. helped us. Um, but you also get like the equal flaps that you can put over the letterboxes. 
I mean, sometimes you see that in the older ones as well, even if a big draft comes along and it's a windy night, isn't it? The letterbox is rattling. So if that's yeah. rattling, there's air getting in the house, isn't it? Making it yep. cold. Um, and you get the brush strips as well that you can put along the bottom of the door. Yes. Um, that's a big thing. If you don't want to go down the tights and socks option. Yep. <laughs> um, so that can make a big difference. And beading around frames as well, just to seal them a little bit more. Again, if it's older properties, you tend to find that, you know, the windows, it might be a listed building, for instance, you can't have double glazing. So, you know, there can be a bit of air comes in from there as well, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Is that what you experience, Anne-Marie, when you're out, that people are kind of looking at that option as well and what windows and doors are looking like? The windows, yeah. And if it's a conservation area, you know, that's a question that always comes up. You know, do, do you think we'd be able to change, you know, the, the windows and things? Mm -hmm. um, but I think in some cases you can actually do that as long as it keeps in line with the, you know, uh, all the other houses on the road. It mm -hmm. just depends, I think, on the council. But that is definitely something that comes up, you mm -hmm. know. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think with windows as well, in that situation, it's about overhauling them a little bit as well, isn't it? Um, you know, draft proof foam strips you can put around them. Um, putting those around the frames, opening the case and the open encasement part makes a big difference. Um, and again, putting beading around the sash windows. Um, sash windows, again, tend to rattle a little bit when it's windy, don't they? So if they're yeah. not that quite tight and they're quite old, because, or maybe even just restring them, you know, it, rather than putting whole new windows in, and that can tighten it up a little bit. So that makes a big difference. Do you find that challenge when you're out doing valuations, Jim, that people with sash windows are kind of have that rattly or they need restring in? Yeah, um, quite a lot actually. You get that um, when the when you go around and there's a lot of gaps and everything. And 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 the difficulty out of that is some a lot of them are in conservation areas. Um, some of them are, are grade, you know, um, uh, B and C listing. So you you, it, you find it difficult to actually replace them with anything, anything that's going to do the job, um, mm -hmm. because because they insist that you get you know tailor made um, uh, original sash and case again and wood. And then, so you've still got that split in between, and yeah. it's still still not as energy efficiency energy efficient as it is. I think they're probably going to have to look at relaxing that at some point in time in order mm -hmm. to in order to get over that. You can't you can't curtail people into these types of properties, or you're going to or you're going to lose these these types of properties into disrepair because people aren't going to be able to afford to do them. Um, it. And it's only going to, they're only going to be reserved for the elite. Um, that's yeah. it. People won't be able to use them anymore. Um, so. That, you know, the times are going to come where it's going to change if, if costs keep rising as a result and we can't keep up with that. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the other tips as well, and I've seen this in quite a few homes when we go into them, is that some people are actually putting reflective foil behind their radiators. So what that's doing is it's redirecting heat back rather than it yeah. just being lost. So it's almost like you're creating a single radiator, becomes a double radiator. So again, you're getting that additional heat. The benefit of that is that you're getting the additional heat. But secondly, actually, you may not need to have your heating system on for as long because your room's going to get warmer quicker. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a big plus point as well for people if they're kind of hesitant to put their heating on at the moment, which, yeah. you know, you put the TV on at night and you watch that news and, you know, you've got people who are sitting in their homes with, with jumpers and socks and, you know, layers and layers on because they're just so concerned about putting their heating on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Any, anything else you were thinking about? Yep. Yeah, so... This is something actually I didn't know until we were doing this, but chimney balloons, you know, if you have got the luxury of having a fire, chimney balloons are a great thing and you can put them up basically the flume um, and that stopped the draft coming in. Um, I did a little bit of research online and you can actually buy them for as little as £20. Yeah. So spending £20 on one of those to then, you know, insulate the home a little bit. Um, and something actually I didn't anticipate. So I, we recently in December had a log fire fitted 
Um, and obviously you have a flume and everything with that. I, I, but what I didn't expect actually is on windy days, the wind comes down the flume and I hadn't factored that in when I was choosing one, to be quite honest. So now if it's a windy day and we're not actually operating the fire because it's not cold enough for the fire, there, you've actually got latches at the bottom. So I keep that closed so that actually it closes the flume and then you've not got all this cold draft coming into the house as well. So if you've not got the chimney balloon requirement, if you've got a log burner, then yeah, close that flume if you're not using it because it makes a big difference. I couldn't I believe the amount of air that was coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So things like as well, double side graft, draft excluders on doors, uh, filling yeah. gaps between exposed floorboards, combination of, uh, you know, sawdust, PVA glue and brown paint to match the colour of the wood. I mean, that's all really good advice as well. Ceiling mm -hmm. cracks are in window frames. We've spoken about that. Skirting boards uh, with flexible decorators cock that can be painted over to match your decor. I mean, these are all key things that you can actually do um, mm -hmm. in that process. Uh, I'm going to share a couple of sites uh, um, if I can. Um, this is actually... Uh, two sites here so you've got um if you can see that that's the home energy scotland so see there you can get around five thousand pound of energy saving home improvements funded by the scottish government including new central new heating and insulation so i'm going to put that in as a uh, copy it into the into the comments uh, just now for everybody so you've got access to that as well um in the comments uh, there so that's that one and then the other one i saw here which was quite handy was the uh, Energy Saving Trust um, as well, another one. So that one was dedicated to Scotland, but this one actually has good advice as well. Um, so I'm going to put that Energy Saving Trust in the comments as well so everybody can everybody can get access to that. So there's two in there that you can get access to for advice, information. You can even get grants as well um, in, in order to, to go through. So quickly, again, I'll just jump back and show you the one the one i would the one i like the most is energy home uh, home energy scotland because it does have it's a lot more user friendly so we could just click on uh, who this is uh, help with rising costs call today um so all the information complete the form so it's easy enough to do easy enough to do all that reducing your energy bills all the advice and support and information i mean it talks about in winter but to be honest now now we're almost getting to that point as well um Yep. I'm almost I'm almost at the point of uh, jubilation and celebration because uh, the heating's now off. That is a big plus and, you know, uh, people will take comfort from that. But as my mother used to say, God bless her, never cast your clute till May's out. <laughs> because it could still be cold. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. it does come in, doesn't it? Uh, uh, so insulation is the key. It's a shame that insulation is the least, the least sexist topic of eco-friendly improvements because it's essential foundation of energy performance. About seventy percent of heat loss uh, disappears through things like walls. Um, um, and uh, uh, so, no, sorry, about seventy percent of heat loss disappears. Remember, so it's it's like walls is thirty five percent, ceilings is twenty five percent, and floors is ten percent. And without sufficient and without sufficient insulation, your home energy will never reach its peak performance. Uh, you'll you'll find a manner of eco friendly insulation materials available. Um, maybe. I mean, some of the things that are really good, uh, people used to use, and I see it in a lot of places when you start to decorate and start to take dismantle things. You've got stuff like old newspaper, um, uh, wood fibre, uh, sheep's wool even, and you've got hemp and stuff like that. I always thought it was something, somebody, somebody's had a dead body behind the skirting. 
<laughs> and it's no, it's stuff like it is sheep's wool and stuff like that. It's like, what's all this there for? Almost <laughs> you, go, you go back to your Hammer House of Horror films from years yeah. ago. Oh, God, I remember that. that. And, it, and it puts all these things into your head about it's like, yeah. oh my God, what's this? And it's, yeah. it's, nothing, it's nothing like that at all. <clears throat> at that time, people were actually genuinely using these as great ideas. So mm-hmm. all it's doing is coming right round and a sort of recycled sort of mentality. It's coming full circle again. And, and folk are actually going, well, what did they do years ago? Um, mm-hmm. I even saw what was actually brilliant in one of the properties I was at yesterday. They had the old door. Um, you know, there's a, there was a hinge on the top of the door. And when you opened the door, it pulled the curtain back. And then when you put when you closed the door, the curtain went over the back of the door. Oh yeah. Oh. And they said they've kept that from that's an original feature from the house when they when they first got it. Mm-hmm. So they had they had got it in 2007, but the person before had lived in the house since built over 90 years. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. all our generations are family, and that was the first of them. And they said we kept that because uh, I thought it was a brilliant feature. But I think you'll actually see some of that stuff coming back now. Um, well, to be honest, Jim, we did that. So see when we were in the flat before we moved here, when we were in between buy-in. Um, it was the right traditional old door it was on. It was the old birthdays and marriages building up in Buckhaven. And so they kept, obviously, some of the features have to be kept. Yeah. But it was so drafty and so windy. So we did exactly that. So we put a pole above the door and we got a really thick um, night curtain, if you like, you know, and, and put that over. And what a massive difference it made just putting that curtain over the yeah. door at night. Literally, as soon as we were in, we just used to draw it and they, it so insulated the property. It was unbelievable. I remember Elaine Collier, I know Elaine from years ago when the credit crunch hit, she actually did a vlog and it was about um, how you could uh, repurpose some of your stuff, like for example, your bed sheets. Your bed sheets mm-hmm. could actually end up becoming your curtains mm-hmm. and draft it's got, you know, all these different things mm-hmm. that you could do to actually save money to do that. And she actually did it really, really well. So I don't know if that's still on there. I'll maybe post it on if, it, if it's possible. Um, so exterior insulation is the least disruptive in your daily, daily life. So when we're looking at that, but when it comes, it comes to a few caveats when you think about it um many roofs don't overhang sufficiently to protect the insulation from the rain that's one of them mm-hmm. so you don't have that bit coming out uh, mm-hmm. to do that while the decorative details on the planning constraints may prevent changes to the front of your home although um although really it does to the back this is coming down to you know things like uh, um, um conservation areas um mm-hmm. classic examples cavity wall construction um became a feature of homes around the 1920s onwards uh, funny enough, I actually have a place that's got, they didn't have it, it doesn't have a cavity, it's just got two bricks together because it was built in 1820 um, mm-hmm. originally. And, and they never knew about cavity walls, about putting a space in between the bricks for that for that heat um, yeah. uh, uh, retention. Um, yeah. So 1920 <clears throat> onwards. So injecting uh, heat retaining insulation material between the walls is simple and ex- uh, extremely cost effective. It costs less than a thousand pounds. But if you go into these links for the energy home, uh, home energy Scotland, They'll probably do that for nothing for you. Yeah. Uh, there's a wee caveat here. If your cavity wall is actually, your gap is too wide, they actually sometimes can't do it. Um, and I know that because there's specific places in Methyl Hill that they built the houses, but they built it too wide, so they couldn't do it because it was just, it was maybe just the fact that it was too much materials to do it. Maybe that's yeah. what it was. And they only thought they could give a certain amount as free mm-hmm. insulation. So that's mm-hmm. maybe what stopped them doing it. So so don't take that as, as gospel. Um, just say that we did come across that where the cavity was too wide. They said they can't do free home insulation as a result of that. Um, so I don't know if it's possible still or or if it's just them and they couldn't do the free one. Um, so the cavity wall is a big thing, though. We, we, I mean, even we talked about windows and doors and EPCs, etc. But cavity wall insulation is a big selling point for a property yeah. as well. 
when you um, do people... um, when you do flats as well, you have to get upstairs and downstairs to agree to it. Uh, and or and then if you've got next door and they're they're connected to you, they have to put some sort of drip in between in the cavity to stop the, the it going into the next door's property because they've not applied for it. So if you're four in a block, you more or less the four of you have to agree um to have it done or or it can't be done at all. So that's another thing for cavity wall insulation. Uh, mm -hmm. you were gonna say Perry, sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say that it's a big thing actually when we're selling property as well. A lot of people seller wise um like us to know that they have put cavity wall insulation in because it makes a big difference to homes. You know, we sold one recently, which was, as you say, a 1920s bungalow that was brick built that probably, you know, you just didn't do it then, did you? Um, but that seller was very keen for us to make sure that people did know about it. And it's something that because it comes up, it's great for us to understand it. And it's a small spend, as you say, Jim, to, to have that put into your property. But actually the gain overall, what you would, even if you're remaining in your home, the financial gain that you're having, for the the amount of time that you're going to save on your heating and also the opportunity then to increase your property pricing when you're selling. A lot of people were wary in the beginning when the caveat one solution was put in because they were doing it incorrectly uh, and some people actually had problems later on so but I, that's all been resolved now they've got all these teething problems out the out the system so um, approved contractors actually as I said by Home Energy Scotland um, they'll be on their list and they'll be approved contractors. So you sh if, if you go on there or you go on the energy, the, the other one, which is a, a shared uh, energy saving trust, um, they'll actually have all the approved contractors on there so to protect you as a result. Um, locally, uh, Mark Henderson actually runs an uh, energy saving uh, place um, down uh, Leaving High Street, for example. And uh, the, so he could actually accommodate anybody and tell them what they need to do and actually give them access to the funding. So there's a lot of energy assessors out there that actually can give you access to the free funding now because they get that funding as a result and it pays their bills. So they're trying to do it um, in the process. If anybody knocks on your door or puts anything through your door, just check with these two places, the Home Energy Scotland and the Energy Saving Trust, to make sure they're actually on their approved list of contractors, um, just in case. Um, that's all I'm saying as a wee caveat. Um, so insulating the... Uh, the Inside of the exterior wards is, is usually the most feasible option for Edwardian and older homes, uh, but it means removing skirtings, radiators, window ledges, power sockets, and anything else really is fixed to the wall. It's highly effective, but uh, and, uh, and, uh, but the process is is, is dusty. Uh, bank on losing about five to ten centimetres or two to four inches of space, uh, less if you remove the original plaster as well. Um, and that's because you can obviously, you know, some of the properties I've had, um, the walls have been too bad. I've actually just had to put a, a, a um, plasterboard coating on it. So plasterboard on the wall, put a bit of insulation behind it, and then just skim coat it and bring it in a bit. But it does, mm. remember, you're doing it on all the walls. Um, you might just want to do the outside walls, you know, because that's obviously the best ones, because that's the ones that will be the coldest. Inside should be fine. Um, but you might just want to do the outsides, because that's where the, the, the cold um, hits from the outside and, and you get most of your... Um, most of your heat loss. Um, so that, that would be one of the ones for me for, for the inside of exterior walls. Um, lofts can be insulated as well with rolls of fiberglass or sheep's wool or any chosen, chosen uh, airborne solution um, for difficult to reach areas. Um, if your loft is pure uh, is pure storage, the insulation between uh, is placed between the joists and the, the ceiling joists and the rooms below for energy efficient loft conversions. Uh, the insulation needs to go between the sloping rafters um, under the tiles and slates but again you have to make sure you have a right contractor because I think there has to you have to make sure you put vents in the loft as well um, it's all about putting insulation in but it's to stop the heat getting lost from where you're living downstairs 
Uh, one of the telltale signs for me to know if a property is really insulated is if, if you're really cosy downstairs and then you go up the up the ladder into the loft and it's Baltic. You know straight away that the property is insulated properly um, yeah. because if it's really cosy downstairs and it's warm up in the attic, you've not got any insulation. So that's a good measure if you know you need to do yeah. something about it. Yeah. Also, uh, also on wintry days, if it's snowing and you go outside and look up, if the snow is still on your roof, then there's a good chance it's insulated. Yeah. If it's melted, yeah. you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's another telltale sign, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so floors, insulation, particularly easy. If, you've, if you have a cellar, simply fit the insulation panels underneath the rafters um, on the underside of the floorboards. Uh, otherwise, lift the floorboards, fix the supports with nettings. So what they do is lift the floorboards, they put a netting in between the joists, and then they put the, the, sit the insulation in there. Um, as a result, in between the joists, and then they put the floorboards back down. Or you can just, as I said, you just channel the floorboards. Um, we'll come on to the next subject, but I've got to say, well, all this insulation, probably what's going to happen next is, is you're going to have condensation and damp. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we're talking about insulating all the time, but sometimes you'll have to open your windows to let the condensation out and let the air flow yeah. through your house. So you kind of keep everything constrained. So yeah. remember, please, ventilation is quite important for circulation of moisture. After all, the biggest release of um, of uh, uh, moisture is when you're in your bed at night. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why you get a lot of condensation on your windows in the morning. Uh, and then you, you think, where does all that come from? Well, it's from you. Um, also, when you're cooking, another really big mm -hmm. uh, um, condensation issue. And then when you're having a shower. So if you're having a shower, open the window, close the bathroom door, or what to do is, if you've got a fan, make sure the fan's on, close all the windows so the fan works properly. And then don't don't make sure under the door has actually got a, a ventilation stream so your van's more, your fan's more efficient because it'll draw the it'll draw the um air from under the door of your bathroom, but then it will put it out with the condensation out the back through your uh, extractor. Um so these are all different ways to make sure you actually protect yourself that. Um uh, double glazing, double glazing, triple glazing, who wants to cover that? And they can cover this, but I'll just make one point before we go into it when we talk about, because we're talking about older properties here. And I don't know if you were in that situation when you guys were younger, but I'm going back quite a few decades for when yeah. I was a child. But I remember as a kid, we used to wake up in the winter and actually the condensation from the breathing from us all sleeping, because there was three of us in one bedroom when we were younger. And um, there actually used to be ice inside the window. Yeah. You'd get yeah. up in the morning, and you, you could scrape that ice off the window. Um, yeah. And you, you were sleeping literally. It's like that old Billy Connolly sketch when you're in the room when you're like sleeping in the coats. <laughs> it was a bit yeah. like that because it was so freezing in those days. That was before we had central heating and everything. Of course, it was just coal yeah. fires in all the bedrooms, wasn't it? I can yeah. remember that as well with the old paraffin heaters and everyone huddled around it. Um, but with double glazing, though, definitely that that saves so much. I mean, I had a friend that's recently done all her windows, and she was saying, you know, the the difference it's made to her energy. Um, even to the, the the traffic outside, she's slightly set back from the road, um, yeah. but she could actually hear the traffic quite, you know, since she's had the double glazing in, she can't hear anything. Um, her her um, energy's gone down. She, she um, I think it's gone down half um, by, by half, or, you know, she's just so pleased with it and she should have done it years ago. Yeah, Obviously not everyone can afford to replace. There's a train of thought as well about double glazing. If you've got a conservation area and you want to keep your existing windows and you don't want to uh, hit the full cost of that, if you're prepared to put double glazing on the inside of your single glazed traditional sash and case windows, it is another option. I've seen yeah. that happen. I've seen people do that. I've seen particularly where somebody has had actually a bad issue with the, 
road and the noise. They've actually put double glazing on already, and then they put double glazing inside double glazing, and it's completely obliterated it. But it's yeah. another option for people that maybe just can't afford the change of the windows because you're talking about maybe about one and a half to two thousand pounds for every session case window. Yeah. Um, whereas double glazing is like five hundred quid a window, um, yeah. if anything. So that's mm. a lot. It's about a quarter, a third of the quarter of the price. Um, so you know you've got to think. It's like, is that the best way to do it? And possibly it might be. It might mm. be a solution that everybody's going to look at in the future. So yeah. do you want to cover uh, double glazing, triple glazing? Wh wh which one? Uh, which one's best, uh, Anne Marie? Um, well, to, to be honest, I've always heard of double glazing. It's only um, recently I've heard triple glazing as well. So it's not really something I'm that familiar with. It's always mm -hmm. been double glazing. Every every house I've bought, I've put windows in myself. Um, um, but I've never actually thought of going down the road of triple glazing. I'm not actually sure what that, what you know what. I've seen I've seen it, but it's double glazing is really what what I'm more familiar yeah. with. Well, windows account for a fifth of the home's heat loss. Yeah, um, a single glazed pane is a thermal as for thermal properties is wafer thin mint basically. So to prevent your money from flying out the window uh, from a closed window of uh, the and huge energy bills, it's essential really to upgrade. Uh, as well as UPVC and aluminium models, um, modern double glazing units are, are, are available in timber frames to match the character period of mm -hmm. the property. Um, the spaces between the glass panes are filled with argon gas now. So they're filled with argon gas that's a lot more energy efficient and act as a natural thermal barrier. And the rooms keep warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. So that's what argon gas does for you. Mm -hmm. Now you know if you're if you know you've got the right uh, double glazing because what what it is now is you used to have the aluminium strip inside the double glazing. Now you've got a black strip. The black mm -hmm. strip is actually the newer type of double glazing, and that'll probably be filled with argon gas. So if you've got a black in between your double glazing units, the the the, the actual um, strip round about in the perimeter. That means your double glazing is probably the right double glazing. If you've got the aluminium sort of look, the metal sort of look, it's an older style, so it's filled with a different type of gas. Can't remember what it was. It maybe was nitrogen or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's an inactive gas anyway, but it was just a gas that they had to fill it with yeah. as a result. So that's yeah. a natural thermal barrier, argon gas. I was just talking about upgrading there. So that's one of the things that, that we've done because the property that we have moved to has got the original windows when the property was built 20 years ago. Um, and we were finding it was quite drafty because um, we had quite a lot of high winds through January, didn't yeah. we? So, you know, we were really finding it was drafty. So we had a company out um, to look at our double glazing and new doors and we are having them fitted. But even then, it's like the amount of time that it's going to take to do that for them to manufacture them. So we basically, we had them out three weeks ago. The surveyor's coming out in another two weeks. That's five weeks. And then from the point of the surveyor coming out, it's going to take another two months for the windows and the doors to be manufactured because yeah. there's such a shortage of supply of things. So again, it's not something you can just do overnight and say, I'm going to do it now. It's about, well, how do we think about it? How do we plan it? Um, but I think the biggest shock factor for me was like how much it's going to cost to do it as well. I didn't expect it to be the price that it's going to be to do these Lorimer windows and doors. But yeah. what I will say but across the piece in the years that we're going to be here, that it's absolutely a great investment, I think. Yeah, to, be to, be, to be honest, if you're going to fit double glazing, fit it now when you're coming in the summer. Yeah. Um, because less people actually do that, therefore the double glazing companies actually give you a better price. Whereas when you're going into winter, um, it's supply and demand. Uh, they've got mm -hmm. so much demand going into winter because people then realise, oh, I should have done, done this. 
um, and then everybody they all run at the same time, and yeah. the price goes up as a result in order to you know maximise the opportunities available. It's just yeah. like the housing market. Absolutely. That's why we've done it this time of year. We waited till winter really was kind of passed and, and done it that way. And that's what they were saying. And I we did get some discounts because of that. Yeah. I mean, triple glazing is even more effective and up, up to 40% in some cases are, uh, are additional benefits worth the extra 30 to 50% price tag. The answer is yes and no when you think when you look at it. Um, windows facing south and west receive natural solar gain which usually makes double glazing sufficient. North-east facing rooms are more suited to triple glazing because the external walls are colder from less exposure to the sun. Um, homes in busier locations receive additional benefits from the extra soundproofing of triple glazing. So there is a, there is, you know, there's a, there's a, we think, think about that depending on where you are. So it might be beneficial to say that, I tell you what, I'll triple glaze the north and east facing rooms, uh, but I'll double glaze the south and west facing rooms. Yeah. Um, that's maybe the way to go. And so you have a combination of triple and double. Um, and if you've got an area which is actually needing the soundproofing, then triple glaze it as well. So maybe we might see, uh, you know, I've not seen it very, I've not really seen it that often, if anything at all. I've maybe seen it once in the time that I've been selling houses and looking at houses. But I have seen a mix and match approach mm. uh, to that. But I kind of think that might be a thing for the future. That people yeah. will come back and say, you know, I know you've got double glazing, but maybe it's more beneficial to get triple in these two mm. or three windows and that'll sort that problem out. So we might see that coming through in the mm. future because yeah. I think this all, it, it, it becomes, it, it's like anything. Like if it costs you £1,000 for a window, but it only saves you £100 and it's maybe not worth doing. If it saves you five hundred pound, then I'll change it right now. Yeah, because yeah. it's a two-year payback. So as property, as energy prices increase, these sort of things become more available to do. Hence the reason why renewables is actually more cost-effective now because energy prices are going up so much. Mm. And now, as an, a, a typical accountant as I am, <laughs> it sits and looks at the numbers and goes, "Oh, the cost benefits um, a payback of two years now, because yeah. we can. It's, it's more beneficial to do that." So. I would actually say, you know, mix and match might come across. Uh, do you want to cover things like uh, the rooms you need to breathe and stuff, uh, Perry? Yeah, just before we go on to that, though, just a yeah. quick one on that. I think that segment that, you, that we've just covered is a really poignant one because, actually, I don't know if I've ever thought about a property in that way in regards yeah. to it. For me, it's always, does it have a south-facing garden? <laughs> I've never actually thought... How do my windows work? You know, that you're going to be on the phone and I'm now and saying, "Can I, can I think of, can I change this? <laughs> can, I, can I change my mind?" <laughs> um, but actually, on the window thing as well, if you really shop quite smartly and before all the financial interest changes happen, they've got some really great deals. So you can even buy now and pay in twelve months and things like that. So you know, yeah. people don't have to have that expense just now. So that's just another little top tip there. And when the guy was out, he was saying, well, they're maybe going to start to change that. So jump on it if you want a good summer deal would be my recommendation. Um, but yeah, your rooms, your rooms do need to breathe. I mean, you talked about that earlier on. And one of the things I noticed about here was that um, I've actually had to start getting the little Karcher window washer thing out. And in the morning in my our bedroom, I actually have to go over it because the windows are soaking in the morning. Yeah. Um, but that's a real good way of just wiping them down so it stops that dampness. Um, mm. And it's literally part of my morning routine. It's a two second job. So that's that's something that you do need to kind of keep in mind but once you've made your home airtight as you said earlier on about the insulation gym um it's time for the next challenge which is without any escape route moisture will stay in your home um so showering cooking um 
regular human activity everyone's at home just now aren't we we're, yeah. we're all in the house all of the time yeah. you might be working at home constantly now where you didn't before so uh, you start to notice all these additional things about your home that possibly you didn't pick up mm. on before isn't it as well not just the drafts but also the, the kind of condensation pieces um you know so it can build up um and the air and the leads to moisturizer and that leads to mold and damp so, so let's just recap this i know you're saying it's about the mold and the damp but really um if it's if it's black spot it really is a, just a condensation buildup. Mm -hmm. uh, you know so people out there uh, we get it all the time when it comes to rented properties where you know you get people that don't understand that and they come on and say i've got rising damp and they're like well where where is it oh well it's in my bedroom and i and i said well, it just so happens is it at the back of one of your cupboards it, oh yeah it is and is it the cupboard on the, is it on an outside wall? Or what do you mean? Well, is it, you know, is the other side of the wall outside in your garden or, or anything like that? And they went, yeah, it is. And went, it's build up a condensation. Mm. It's it's because the water gets behind you, the condensation, and it sits there all the time because it's got no airflow to dissipate. And that's that's not rising damp. So usually find it black spot. Anything other than black spot is probably an issue. But anything that's black spot is just a wipe, as you said, Perry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually in the flat that we had, it was an old building and they had that. And we did exactly that because at that time we were we were renting it from five properties and we phoned and we said, oh, we think we've got damp. You know, it's going to be a problem. It can't be healthy. And they're like, yeah. no, no, it's just black spot. This is all you need to do. Wipe it, get this spray. And, and actually, honestly, the spray stuff worked a dream just wiping yeah. it down. And it's prevented it's it from building up as well. Um, you, see and you, you see it in bathrooms as well, even though yeah. it's, you know, you see it in bathrooms typically in the top um, top corner of the ceiling. Um, if you've not got enough ventilation or if the window's too low or if the extractor's too low, it never hits that bit and so mm -hmm. therefore it doesn't get dissipated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's sort of about educating people, isn't it? People don't realise and they, they just panic. And this yeah. time it's just something that could just be wiped off. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's all about people knowing knowing this yeah. information. You can also buy little units, so they're like low power heat recovery units or HRUs yeah. if you if you're kind of looking at them in the stores. Um, um, and that's like a little ventilation system as well, and it cleverly captures all the heat from the air inside your home mm -hmm. um, before replacing it with fresh supply. So that that's quite good. I mean, one of the famous ones you see Dyson do it quite a lot, don't they? They've got the nice fancy dancy ones. You might not want to go as expensive as Dyson because they cost a fortune. And, there are other suppliers out there yeah. <laughs> to caveat that um but that, that makes a big difference and then you get a fresh supply coming in to, from the outside which again is airing your property and keeping that nice um it's about the size of a shoebox so i mean they're not huge um yeah. so it's not like it's going to be incumbent in your room so th that's quite easy to do um it fits neatly into any high level space with an attic and um, wardrobe or even a kitchen cupboard that maybe you're not utilizing but it's just something that you can hide away somewhere that's going to make a big difference to the home. Um, <clears throat> do you see that in properties often, Jim? Yeah, well, the thing that we used to, um, as tenant in property sometimes, we'll, we'll install a fan um, for that sort of issue. And and it and it, what it does is it, it, it actually just, it, it just constantly goes and it, it takes the moisture out of the air. It's almost mm -hmm. like a dehumidifier. And yeah. It takes the moisture out of the air and it just expels it outside, but it actually doesn't take the heat away. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, yeah. So um, that that was uh, again, it's, it's another issue. It just came up. All the insulation measures that you were having to do, and then it's like you've got to pay another eight hundred quid to put a fan in. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it's like, wait a minute. I, so I spent eight hundred quid on insulating. I've got eight hundred quid to then take it all out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, is this you no know, just cancelling it out? And then the guy explained to me how it all works, and I went, oh, okay. Then. 
makes sense to do it, doesn't it? And it's quite easily done as well. I mean, it's connected to each room by ceiling vents. Um, yeah. They're about 10 centimetre duct ins used. Um, it's no, it puts a noticeable zing in the constantly refreshed air and it has particular benefits to anyone who's obviously suffering from asthma and allergies as well. And that's a big thing, isn't it? The children yeah. and we're all being at home. Um, and in lockdown, you were seeing that quite often, weren't you? That people were struggling in regards to the air that they were breathing and kids getting even more poorly, which is not great. But um, so it helps with that as well. Um, if it's not practical to run ducting above your ceilings, though, you can opt for trickle vents in the frames above your windows. That makes a big difference. Um, although they don't have the same heat retaining qualities. Why are you smiling? <laughs> what are you doing? That's what I'm wondering. Because I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, sometimes you're just no wanting to recirculate the same air in your room. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say why, but it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, why, that that's why, because I kind of thought to myself, will I say this or will I know? <laughs> you had that mischievous look on your face. I was like, what is he up to? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so moving on from that, but you're right, yeah. You don't want bad air kept in, put it that way. You want nice fresh air coming in. Um, and also, actually, it's quite sound absorbing. Acoustic tricks with the vents as well. Um, yeah. They're available for locations with more external noises, for instance. So like Anne-Marie was saying, you know, you could put something over the vents if you can't go to the extremes of putting double glazing in and, and spending that kind of cash. Um, so you can put kind of vents slots in front of them to stop the noise coming in. And we did, we actually had to do that in the other place that we were in as well, because it was quite an old building and that yeah. was quite noisy and there was vents in all the rooms because originally, obviously it was a commercial premise. Yeah, so what I did was with mine is when they installed the uh, double glazing, I said, you're not putting any trickle vents in the bedroom. Um, mm -hmm. That's it, full stop. And they went, oh, but you've got to legislation that says, uh, excuse me, but who's paying your bills? It's like you're not putting any trickle vents in the bedroom, and that's mm -hmm. it because they have to drill the holes and then attach them on, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then it obviously releases all the sound. It's like, mm -hmm. why would I want sound coming into my bedroom? I'll open the window. Um, yeah. and, and most most double glazing as well has has double locks now, so you can open the window slightly and just lock it, so it's always got a constant airflow if you want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so as Absolutely. long as you're doing that, so I, for me personally, I wouldn't be installing trickle vents in a window. Mm. In, a, in a bedroom, in a window. Mm. Um, I would just do it in the main living rooms uh, yeah. and then you could just open the window and close it if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you've got a lot of passing traffic um, or you're near a school playground or something absolutely. like that, or you've got a lot of pedestrian footfall. Um, you know, quite a lot of these new properties have got quite a bit of pedestrian footfall if you're living in the main town part of it, aren't they? So they, they yeah. can be quite a lot of people going by. So you don't want to be hearing that all the time. Yeah, so this takes us on to uh, solar power and, and energy independence. Um, I mean, the Financial Times recently reported um, uh, the gas and electricity suppliers have the highest profit margins among UK firms. Uh, it is pretty jarring to find, you know, that you, you oh well, you get you get this lovely letter saying, oh well, we're really in it with you, and then they announce <laughs> the most profits of billions, and it's like, well, wait a minute, you're not with me at all. Um, you're just taking advantage all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, they've got the highest profit margins ahead of 400 other sectors, including private equity and commercial real estate, uh, believe it or not, um, with many of the fixed rate energy tariffs jumping uh, to £3,000 a year in 2022. Well, you've just heard what mine's was going to be. It's almost £5,000. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no wonder that more and more homeowners are looking to join the 970,000 UK homes that already use solar energy. Adopting solar power requires some sort of forethought. 
and a specialist installer can actually advise you on the best ways available um, and options for your home. Uh, meanwhile, here's, a, here's really a summary for the key points. So the cost of, uh, let's look at a glance, the cost of domestic solar panel for a typical three-bedroom family home has halved since 2011. Um, that's according to government um, government uh, think tank, uh, to around £4,800, okay? Um, solar panels come in different uh, varieties, um, some photovoltaic uh, panels and uh, roof tiles uh, that generate um, electricity for power, appliances um, and electric cars to, to thermal panels uh, that generate heat uh, for hot water. And we, you know, they, you'll see a lot of older style houses had a lot of these thermal panels on them that generated the heat for the, the, mm -hmm. the hot water. Uh, not all boilers or heating systems are comp compatible with social power, uh, so social power, solar <laughs> power. Um, so check the manufacturers to see if you need any replacement equipment. Uh, mm -hmm. South or southerly aspects are the most effective for generating energy, but you've got you've you're, but you're not limited to the direction for um, um, your roof faces. Okay, um, so installations can also be mounted at ground level in a non-shady spot. Um, solar panels are generally uh, seen as permitted development, but speak to your local authority first, particularly um, if your home is in a conservation area. It could be a big, big thing. Um, mm -hmm. Energy is only generated in the day, so you need a battery to store the electricity you use at night. Um, a typical system can generate enough electricity to power your home for a whole year. Uh, wow. Um, not always when you need it, though. Not always when you need it, though. So what happens is the winter months have less sunshine, but more demand for power. So you'll still need an energy supplier for now. Um, and you, what you do is in the summer as well, when it's really buoyant and you're not using enough electricity, it sells that back into the grid. So you're basically you're selling power into the grid. That's how it's all set up. So the surplus energy guarantee allows you to sell back any energy you don't use to the national grid rather than letting it go to waste. Because, you know, you'll have loads and loads of batteries all around the house in order to store this energy that you're doing. 50% um, reductions in energy consumption are quite common, with more savings available, uh, depending on how much further you use your energy use. Um, now, solar panel, uh, solar panel and solar power is not just for houses. It's regularly used in apartments on the continent, like Spain and that. Got it quite mm. a lot in Spain. Um, I've seen fields and fields of solar panels in some places. Um, they yeah. just generally just generally generate that all the time. You see it in some of the main African countries as well. You've got fields and fields upon fields of uh, solar panels just generating power all the time. I think that's the way we're going to have to go, though. Um, mm -hmm. But look at when you think about it. Look at the look at this. You've got solar panels, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But do you know, do you not remember the old cowboy films where they used to have the wind turbines sitting in their backyard? Yeah. Yeah. I think to myself, wait a minute, so if they had that in that time, why on earth have we not got that the now in every single house? Mm -hmm. I don't get that. I don't understand why they've got that all that time ago, and mm -hmm. we've still not caught up with that technology. Yeah, it's not thing. Beneficial, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's your thoughts on solar panels, guys? I mean, you certainly see it a lot just now, don't you, with new build properties. Um, there's quite a few new build properties around the area here, and it starts, well, to me, it looks like it's part of the norm now as part of yeah. what the builders do. They just automatically are putting solar panels on properties um, because there's that expectation to make it not just EPC orientated, but also viable financially for people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's definitely the way forward. Um, I mean, they're, they're building, putting them on new builds, um, but the older properties are just going to be, it's just going to be the new norm, I think, eventually. I think it'll be the new norm as well. I, I yeah. also think, though, we need to look seriously look at the, the wind turbines in the back gardens. And, mm. and I'm talking about just on a smaller scale, like you saw in these old films, mm. um, to contribute towards that. I think that'll come eventually. As This is, again, prohibitive. Remember, the cost of installation is probably prohibitive to the amount you're going to save. So, therefore, I think it'll come when energy prices begin to go even higher as a result. Therefore, it'll make it more cost-effective. And it'll make it more acceptable because a lot of people just don't want it because sometimes it makes a noise. And it's like, but, but you're going to have to put up with that noise if you're, if you're going to want to have power in the future because yeah. we're, we're generally just going to have to do that. Scotland and other countries with big mountains, we've got hydro. Hydro is huge where we are. I mean, we. I mean, there's often Scotland say, by the way, today we were completely carbon neutral because we use all our, all our energy from renewables in Scotland, and that yeah. happens quite a lot for Scotland now. So I think that's another way for hydro is going to be a big, big thing as well as wind turbines. Hydro is going to be produced later on because again, it's all about um, it's all about prohibitive cost just now, but in the future it will be more acceptable because it will be. It'll be uh, it'll be a saving. The payback will be two years, two years, three years, five years, um, and it'll make it worth it. I think as well as we become closer and closer to twenty fifty, when we're going to be carbon neutral, then you might actually see some of these processes speed up, won't you? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think uh, these are all the ways to go. Uh, final thoughts on this, Perry? For me, I think it's just you can do it smartly without minimum cost. You know, some of yeah. the tips, they, they sound a bit silly and we're not saying sit in the house with jumpers on, but there are ways that you can make your home more weatherproofed um, and airtight. And I think that they can be done on an uh, economical scale if you're not wanting to go down the routes of new windows or you can't because of obviously the, the age of the property and solar and all that, because, you know, some of that might be expensive. But the grants are there and people should certainly look at the links that you've shared, Jim, because I think that that will help people make some decisions. But actually, there's some quick wins in there that are minimal cost. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that as well. Anne-Marie? Yeah, I was going to say more or less the same thing. People that can't afford to replace a whole, you know, central heating system, etc. Those little tips, those, you know, small things, are really really important for people to 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 just to keep the house warm without having to sit down in jump you know jumpers and you know you need to be comfortable in your home and yeah you know, yeah yeah that's definitely yeah definitely i mean my final thoughts on this i mean uh, uh, nothing compares to the genuine success stories uh, we put two on this actual post in the article so if you click on the article you hear about chris newman and his leaking leaky victorian villa you'll also hear, hear about sue wheat's uh, seven part blog of how her and her husband uh, turned a damp and drafty terrace house into a cosy energy-saving family home. So that's really good two examples. Again, I go back to saying this one here, um, you've got the home energy um, home energy uh, uh, trust. So that's the energy saving trust. And then you've also got the other one as well, as I said, of the um, home energy Scotland is, is on there as well. It's in, uh, listen guys, it's in the post itself please take time to look on that and uh, get more information, more advice, more uh, support. If you've got anything to say on this, uh, listen, if you've got any ideas or any thoughts we've not covered in here, please feel free as well to put them in the comments and, and we'll continue the conversation because after all, this isn't just a finite thing that's going to happen and we've all decided this is what we're going to do. This is going to be an evolving thing over, over the next two or three years at how more and more people look to save energy and to and increase their energy efficiency in their property mm -hmm. in order to get the best out of it. Um, 
council tax bills in the future, I think, and, and I'll say it again, possibly could be uh, could be um, uh, reassessed on the energy efficiency of your property rather than the size in order to in order to curtail that. So make mm. sure your property is as energy efficient as possible. And that's it, guys. Thank you very much for joining us on the show, Perry and Anne Marie. And uh, until next week on the on the Five Property Show. Um, bye bye for now. Bye bye, folks. Bye. Have a good weekend.